0: All right, Hawks fans and Hooball fans, we have a special Hooball promo. This is big, real big, like Manny Fresh, house real big, car real big. daddy. Anyway, before I start singing and dancing in the booth to an, a New Orleans classic, this is a huge week for everyone at Hooball because all of our 2020-2021 NBA season products are finally for sale these hoop ball products are the best in the business so listen up here's what's out the draft guide this is our flagship our shining beacon like superman the most comprehensive draft guide in fantasy sports our guys went 400 players deep again this year a future access pass to the brewski 150 is also out if you don't know what the brewski 150 is you need to know now. It's the fantasy draft list that has beaten every other list for the last decade. Decade. And new for this year, Hooball is unveiling our new monthly membership plans. I'll try to keep this part short as much as I can. We have the fantasy pass, which includes the draft guide, the Brewski 150, and also the new DFS pass and all of our in-season premium tools. The DFS Pass is also available on its own, if that's your thing. We have the new Wager Pass for our sports bettors out there who want picks and analysis. And we have the HoopBall 360. The sucker has all of the stuff above, plus even earlier access to the Brewski 150. So head to hoop-ball.com or follow at Hoop Ball Fantasy on Twitter now. Right now. Like, go on Twitter right after you hear this to learn more and get yours today. If you want to succeed in sports betting in your fantasy basketball leagues this year, this is a no brainer. Again, go to Twitter right now at Hoop Ball Fantasy or go to hoop ball.com and get right today. The following is a hoop bowl presentation.
1: Plays it into Trey. Two seconds wide. Trey Slaughter.
0: Let's it fly. Swish. Oh my goodness. Yay. Yeah. Hello and welcome back to Hoop Ball Hawks, the show here on the Hoop Ball Network that has taken flight where we cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, reporting live from Atlanta, Georgia. We are recording this episode on Saturday, the day after the Hawks' first preseason game, and we will go over takeaways from the game and get our guest takes as well. Also looking forward to changes for tomorrow's game as they play another game against the Magic in a rematch in the State Farm Arena at a 5 p.m. Eastern time tip off. And obviously this is working out the kinks leading up to the season opener on December 23rd in Chicago and joining the program again. It is a wonderful friend of the program. My friend, Alan. Alan, how are we doing today?
1: I am doing just great, Brad. Thanks again for having me back on. It is a uh, also reporting live from Atlanta. Uh, it's a little gloomy out, but it could not. That is not the representation of how we're feeling today because we just watched Atlanta Hawks basketball for the first time in nine months. To the day, it, it was. It, I, I, I mean, I was glued.
0: <laughs> I was, Hallelujah! It was awesome. Mm. It, it, it was great. It was great. It was a lot of emotions uh, pouring into me and pouring out of me as I was aggressively typing my notes for the game and eating my uh, pad knit Chester's Flaming Hot Fries. It was just very entertaining from start to finish of uh, some ebbs and lows in the game, just as you would normally expect in a basketball game and a preseason game. And we were just both extremely excited to talk about actual Hawks basketball. Mm-hmm. And we will get into last night's preseason game. But first, a quick plug for my bookie. If you like losing money, turn this off right now. But if you love free band, free bands, just like Super Future, then keep listening. Sports betting is getting huge across the nation, and all of my homies love to bet on games. There are a bunch of sites out there for sports betting, but all of my homies love my bookie. Why? Because it's so easy to use. And since you all my homies too, I'm going to plug you. All my homies listening right now can sign up for my bookie with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus. 100%, just like an A-plus in school. Hopefully you got them, but if not, this your chance to get 100%. You like playing blackjack? There are some very fun and free blackjack tournaments, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much that you can do on my bookie. And the best thing is, is that no cash is required to enter. And you can win up to $100 in daily challenges and up to $1,000 in weekly tournaments. So you want a chance at free cash money. Then again, my homies, sign up with the promo code Hoopball to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus and try to score some in the words of future. Like I said earlier, free band, free band. All right. And we are back before we talk about the game per se last night, Alan, I wanted to get your takes as far as to what your thoughts were going into last night. What were you wanting to see from the Hawks teams? What were you watching carefully in his preseason game? I know that we talked off air that I know that in, Previous episode, I was looking at the new additions, the the young wings, the Magic City trio, and Herder, Reddish, and Hunter, and the rotations and lineups. But what were you keeping a close eye on last night?
1: Well, definitely going into things, I was most interested in just seeing how Pierce was going to uh, stitch his lineups together, similar to what you were looking for. And I knew it's the first preseason game; that everyone was going to be playing with minutes caps. Like none of the starters got above twenty four minutes. I'm pretty sure. but mostly, I was just interested to see how, like, the point guard rotations were going to go, particularly with Rondo and Dunn out. How was Pierce going to fill in the majority of those minutes? And you saw a lot of Brandon Goodwin, obviously. But what was most positive for me was watching Bogdanovich run the point a little bit, watching uh, Cam Reddish and Kevin Herter take the ball up the floor on certain possessions. It was I was very pleased to see just, like, all these different combinations being tested out in that first game. And that was, you know... It's what I was hoping to see, and it's exactly what we did see.
0: Yeah, just the multitude of different lineups and combinations that we saw on the floor last night definitely showed a, a peak hole or a glimpse into a potential future, whereas this team could basically be extremely interchangeable across the board and have a bunch of working, moving pieces in and out of the lineups and still be pretty effective. Obviously, it was just the first preseason game. and They are gonna have to continue to work those kinks out, but it was very, very – Positive overall experience, even though, as I go into last night's stats, the Hawks did lose 116 to 112, but I said that they definitely competed the entire game, no matter who was on the floor, and that was extremely evident, and that's what I love seeing was just that competitive spirit that they've been trying to infuse in this team since minicamp we seen that they've been competing in practice, and Coach Lloyd Pierce has talked about it to the media day in, day out after practice, how much they are competing and working on the defensive end. And they show flashes on the defensive end, but they definitely competed throughout the game, which I was really excited to see. But it was a preseason game. It was a little sloppy, and I tweeted that it definitely looked like the Orlando Magic played a game a lot more recent than the Hawks. But the Hawks certainly were excited to get back on the court. The starting lineup last night was Trey Young at the point Bogdan Bogdanovich at the two, DeAndre Hunter at the three, John Collins at the four, and Clint Capella at the five. The injury report going into last night's game, Clint Capella was dealing with an ailment, but he was available, as you heard, in the starting lineup. Cam Reddish had an ankle issue going into the game, but he was available last night and played his minutes, and we'll talk about that a little later. Notable players that were out last night, as Alan already mentioned, Chris Dunn was out, John Rondo. Onyeka Okongwu was out, the number six overall pick for the Hawks, and Tony Snell was also out. As a team, the Hawks shot 37% from the field compared to 45.7% from the Magic. That percentage was pretty consistent throughout the game. The Hawks missed a lot of open shots, a lot of shots around the rim, and I just attribute that to Rust. and The continual need to play together, play on the court, get experience, and get into rhythm and working on timing on the court. Uh, They shot 10 for 32 from three at 31.3 percent, a little lower than the season average from last year. But as I said, first game, a lot of missed open three point looks. I think they'll clean that up as they continue to get in the rhythm. They shot 34 from 41 from the free throw line, 41 free throw attempts. I really love to see that from the team. They were aggressive in stretches, which that 31 for 41 equals to almost 83% from the free throw line, which really kept them in the game throughout stretches where the Magic lead was growing and growing. Got aggressive, got into the paint, attacked the rim, uh, got fouled and got to the free throw line, and that's what helped them inch closer and closer back into the game and keep the margin fairly close and gave them an the opportunity to win down the stretch. They out-rebounded the Orlando Magic 61-48, to and we'll talk a little bit more about the really positive rebounding that came from the Hawks, What really surprised me was the fact that they out-rebounded Orlando on the offensive side from 19 offensive rebounds for the Hawks to 10 for the Magic. And a lot of the Magic's offensive rebounds came late in the game when the second and third unit were out there for the Hawks. And it really gave the Hawks throughout the game a lot of second-chance opportunities, which led to free-throw attempts for the Hawks. And I attribute that to big rebounding efforts, and I'll get into the stats from Collins, Fernando, and Capella, who were beast on the boards tonight, and the energy that they had as far as chasing down loose balls and getting rebounds was very, very contagious, and it was an effort that I saw throughout the entire team, as there was obviously an emphasis, and it led to them leading that margin, but a negative margin last night was the 23 turnovers, which led to 23 Orlando Magic points. Definitely not great, but it's a preseason game. We're going to chuck it up to that, so you expect sloppy play. And a lot of the sloppy play led to turnovers that put the defense in transition early, which they didn't look great in yet. But again, like I said, it's early. And last year, they were a team that was 28th in the league in turnovers per game. So they will definitely look to clean that up. But I expect, again, a lot of turnovers, a lot of sloppiness from rust from the layoffs. A lot of new faces and learning to play with each other, learning people's tendencies, all the different lineups, the different rotations where people like the ball in certain positions. On the flip side of things, the Magic had 15 turnovers, which in a normal game, 15 turnovers that you force pretty good and which led to 22 Hawks points. So that's something that they can continue to build on. And they seemed early on, as I alluded to, to get killed on a fast break. But that kind of leveled out towards the end of the game where the fast break advantage was 16 points for the Magic to 14 points for the Hawks. So that really evened out. The Magic won points in the paint 40 to 32. And the Magic had the largest lead in the game at 15 points. But as you saw, the Hawks only ended up losing by four. So before we get into the individual stats, Alan, what were your overall takeaways from the game as far as ending in the numbers I mentioned, team play, and I'm going to continue to put this out there. We know it's just a preseason game, but it's an evaluation period for the coaching staff and the media alike. And we'll certainly pick things apart. The coaching staff will pick things apart. The team will respond. They get ready. There may be some overreaction from some people, some throwaways. But what is your lens that you viewed the performance of the team overall last night?
1: So, you know, for me, it has a lot less to do with the actual results of the game and more so just about the strategies that were implemented and just how these, the old Hawks interacted with the new ones. I loved the, the energy out the gate, which is to be expected, you know, like the Hawks are playing their first game in nine months. Clint Capella is specifically playing his first game in 10. Cause you know, he was out since late January of last year with his plantar fasciitis. You know, this was his Hawks debut, perhaps the most significant debut of all the new pieces that are in Atlanta And it was just it was great to watch them play with just like uh, a lot of energy, like Capella on the boards looked it it was it was honestly remarkable. I I can't remember the last time I watched an Atlanta Hawks game with a center who was so capable of positioning himself in the post and getting offensive rebounds and just being in all the right spots, uh, like offensively and defensively. It was just it was refreshing to see that. And I really liked like the aggression too that I saw out of the young players, the wings, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, and Kevin Herter. Especially Herter, I felt that his aggression was the most pronounced because I feel like that one of his biggest flaws as a pro to date, the thing that he's has been most often criticized for, is that he's just he's not aggressive enough. You know, he passes up open threes, he makes too many passes, he, he's afraid to force contact driving the lane. I saw all of that from Herder last night. Yes. You know, he, he, he really, you, you could tell that he took a lot of that to heart. And I think particularly with those three wings, they're hearing all the noise. I mean, they can see the writing on the wall pretty clearly. Their roles are not going to be given to them. Not anymore. Like last, the last couple of seasons, it's been that way because it has to be. But, you know, these guys are genuinely going to have to compete. For, for minutes. And, you know, in the first preseason game, I think what you see out of them is a lot of the stuff that they were working on in the off season And yes. so I so I loved I loved the aggression from all three who showed off their different offseason skills that they have been tuning up very, very clearly. And, and Herter, and, and, you know, we don't, we don't talk enough about Herder because I, I think you and I offline in particular, uh, he's sort of the guy that we ride off in the equation. When we're talking about rotation, it's because his position is going to be the one who's most squeezed with Bogdanovich in town, with Chris Dunn going to be getting a lot of shooting guard minutes playing next to Trey. Cam Reddish is going to get a lot of opportunities there. He seems to be the odd man out, and he offers a lot to this team when he's on as a shooter and a playmaker. So it was really cool watching that. I mean, what were what were the bigger ones for you?
0: So... For me, uh, I 100% agree. The Young Wings, they all were very, very aggressive. I know Cam Reddish a little too aggressive at times, playing a little bit fast and culminating to six turnovers, which I'll get into the stats here in a minute, but just their overall confidence in their game. And you can tell that they've been competing in practice. They have been competing and they know that there's a sense of urgency amongst them is that if they don't compete, if they don't show up every day, whether it's a lifting session, film session practice and certainly a preseason game that their minutes are going to be in jeopardy down the stretch so i love the sense of urgency there i love the energy that capella played with i loved how john collins although he started off slow on the offensive end was still getting his boards and he got into rhythm as the game went on i love the veteran savvy plays that Gallinari showed in his potential coming off the bench as far as just as a scorer and a very underrated playmaker as well as I saw in stretches how he even was trying to set up the offense out of the post and you know handoffs and nice little passes uh, across the paint to hit open players and hitting people on the wing I I really like that and It may not uh, be talked about a lot in circus. I liked what I saw from uh, Brandon Goodwin yesterday. He was certainly very Mm -hmm. aggressive yesterday in getting an opportunity to shine with Rondo out, with Dunn out, as you mentioned. And There was a particular lineup, which I'll get into later in the program, that I saw and that – Opened my eyes. I saw some people tweet about it, so I'm definitely gonna get your take there. But I'll get into the numbers from the starters yesterday. You mentioned DeAndre Hunter, who was very aggressive. He was the leading scorer for the Hawks yesterday, shooting 50% from the field, 40% from three, three boards, one block in 26 minutes and coach Lloyd Pierce did say that that was a big error on their part he wanted to as Alan alluded to cap everybody at 24 minutes or less and he played 26 oops but he (laughs) took advantage he took advantage of every minute that he was on the court he definitely did and he got a lot of praise from coach Lloyd Pierce and we talked and you praised him and I'm gonna praise him as well for how aggressive he was you know, attacking the rim and getting to the free throw line. That's certainly something that he's going to have to do, especially if his three-point shots aren't falling. It was a stretch where he was a little cold from the three-point line, and then he saw one, and that was all he needed. But just to continue to work on a defensive end, be aggressive, create opportunities for your teammates, get to the foul line, knock some free throw in, and hopefully that gets you into rhythm. Obviously, we can't talk about last night's game without Burr, ice trader gang mr nutmeg that as i said to you on twitter sprinkling it in there in your favorite holiday cookies this offseason go ahead and put the little nutmeg in there go ahead and sprinkle that in there uh he, he played 22 minutes only scored seven points but had six assists uh shot two of nine from the field or two from three had six turnovers one steal he definitely spoke to it trying to play too fast, trying to force some things, a lot of excitement, a lot of energy, but has to continue to learn, you know, the new roster and the players and whatnot and get back into rhythm with players. It obviously showed that he hadn't played organized game with this team since March, but I'm not fretting about Trey Young's numbers. Uh, It's a preseason game. He's going to, he's going to work on it. He's already watched film. And he even said today on Twitter that he thought it was a lot worse coming off the floor yesterday from the game and then he when he got in the film he was like oh it, it, it wasn't as bad a lot of things So he said like a lot of easy things to clean up and practice and going forward and I know as a former athlete myself I always felt like that like man I sucked that game I sucked and then I watched the film and you're like okay it wasn't as bad as I thought point to things that you can get better at and move forward, and as a leader of this franchise, I expect Trey Young to do that. John Collins played 22 minutes as well, scored 14 points, had nine boards, one block, two steals, was four or six from the field, 100% one for one from the three-point line, had four fouls, though, pretty early, and had four turnovers. Rust Not going to look too much into those numbers, but I love the 14 and nine. He's still going to have to work on spacing with Capella, who looked great in his debut, as Allen alluded to playing 20 minutes, scored eight points and had 14 rebounds, including five. Offensive rebounds, which really led to some second-chance opportunities and some put-back chances for Capella, shooting 4-6 or from the field. A very efficient night. He looked great. They talk about his soft hands, and we saw that with the alley-oop early on from Young to Capella. And just his touch around the rim. He's going to be a consistent in his offense and a consistent on the defensive end as well. The more he plays with his team, Bogdanovich did struggle in his debut with scored nine points, but added two assists, four rebounds in 23 minutes shot three of 10 from the field and one of five from three. But I saw a lot of positives in this game, his ability to create for others to create his own shot, the catch and shoot ability, even though he didn't miss a lot, it was there it was close misses. And I love the potential of him and Trey Young playing off of each other offensively, I really think the sky is the limit there. And the, and the more they play with each other, the more they learn each other, and they get the timing and continuity between each other. Because there was a lot of times where they would do the double screen at the top, and Trey Young would try to hit, you know, Bogdanovich on the wing, and the pass was a little array, and he had to adjust for it, and then try to put the shot up instead of just catching and shooting it in rhythm. I think those things will continue to be cleaned up and they're going to play great off of each other and the ability for Bogdanovich to initiate the offense when Trey Young is off the court. We saw that in spurts and out. I keep foreshadowing. I'll allude to it with a certain lineup I, I loved last night. So, Alan, out of the starters last night, um, do you think this is going to be a lineup that we're going to use a lot during the season? Do you foresee a change or do you need more time? in this evaluation and i'm going to say this there's no shame if you need more time because i don't want to put you in a position to overreact and open yourself or expose yourself to some twitter trolls out there so what do you, what do you think about this lineup
1: well i mean yeah it's still early it's a little early to like set anything in stone um i do think that this this was the favorite to be the opening day lineup heading to this game mm-hmm. and you know I think that Hunter is the leading candidate to start at small port. He started every game there last season, as much as everyone is really excited about Cam Reddish's development, mine included, you know, Hunter is still a valuable uh, defender in this lineup. His size gives him an ability to do some pretty impactful things on offense. Like he's very good on switching on to big and smaller defenders, yes. but, which is a valuable person to have in the lineup who can, has that kind of skill set. So I would anticipate that bearing anything crazy developing in camp, I actually think this could be the starting lineup come opening day. Whether that lasts throughout the season, you know, it's anyone's guess. I mean, we are all going to be watching the Hunter-Cam Reddish dynamic as we did all of last season. It's going to continue into this season because it's really between those two for the majority of the small forward minutes on this team.
0: And I 100% agree that I even projected that this was going to be the starting lineup going into the season. And although it was funny because it looked like at first I was like, yeah, DeAndre Hunter, it, he he looked like he was struggling early on, but he had a very quiet 18 points. And it was just one like, of those
1: he's one of those players. He's like, you know, you don't pay attention long enough, and then you look up at the scoreboard. It's like, oh man, he scored like 15 points already. Where did
0: that come from? It, it, he, that's exactly how I felt last night. <laughs> I was watching. I was just like oh lord he has 16 i'm like oh, oh okay okay. Right. and it because and it was like once once a couple shots went in everything else started going in and once he started hitting some threes and some jumpers then they were trying to you know come up on him then try to do the blow by get to the rim get the foul and he'd get to the free throw line so that's something that i want to continue to see him grow in that regard and if he could continue to do that and the impact that he can make on the defensive end, especially because that's what he worked on this offseason jumping in the passing lane you talked about how his ability to switch from smaller to bigger opponents on the perimeter and just in the post as well just his interchangeability on the defensive end is what's going to keep him in the lineup a lot of times and if he can continue to get comfortable with his role in this offense with these new pieces i i I do see him as the like the og and an ob in our lineup and then hey i don't mind bringing cam reddish off the bench especially with the energy that he plays with and his change of pace and his ability to defend as well which we'll talk about here shortly i mean the sky is truly the limit all these young guys are competing that's why i like that competitive spirit no matter how many minutes they get or if they're in a lineup or not if they can continue to play with this competitive spirit alongside these vets that we added to this roster it the sky is truly the limit for this team and we'll talk about the bench now we'll go ahead and move on to the bench uh played well in 20 minutes although one for five from three which a lot of people like oh he's a great three-point shooter that's what people try to pigeonhole him as he scored 14 points, added four rebounds, one block, one steal, and shot very well from the free throw line as he normally does. And that I alluded to, he was very underrated in initiating offense for other people, and that's something that was kind of overlooked, but how smart of a player he is and knowing where he's effective on the floor, he was really, at times, looking at the top of the key to try to get other people involved and get them some good looks as well, which I think when you have him coming off the bench and you have Rondo as well, having those two with a Cam Reddish, with a Herder, with Collins, if he's playing alongside him or Fernando, I think having those two players on the court off the bench is really going to. Pay dividends later on. Uh, Cam Reddish, we talked about, scored 13 points off the bench in 23 minutes. Had several turnovers, but showed a lot in my eyes, especially on the defensive end, which really got me excited. And his defense did turn into some offensive opportunities, which Coach Lloyd Pierce talked about today. That Cam Reddish's effort on the defensive end really got him going offensively. I know that he rushed a lot of things, which led to a lot of the turnovers. But for Cam Reddish to be add eight rebounds. Three assists, one steal and shoot 40 percent from the field and 33 percent from three in his first preseason game. I liked what I saw. And I know that although the play was not completed, the play before the end of the half where and uh, Alan, I want to get your, I want to get your take on this play before the end of the half. Cam Reddish, he stole the ball, dribbled up. The defender tried to get a charge. He did a spin around him mid-dribble and then tried to throw an alley-oop up to DeAndre Hunter, and it, it went through his hands. But I said that if he would have completed that play, that would have ended up on Center somehow some way. And, and that flash right there is what fans are really excited about. Do you, you remember the play I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, I do. I do. I think that was the thing that jumped off the page with Cam Reddish last night is that he just had this fluidity to his game. Yeah, he had some turnovers. He tried to force things a little too much like he did eventually on that lob pass. But you could tell that his mindset to come to the game was just like, I'm going to be that spark plug. I'm going to run. I'm going to make plays on the defensive end, turn it into offense on the other end. I loved that he was stepping into mid-range jumpers that looked pretty smooth. I mean, I, I know that the other thing that the Browns was him hitting a 30-foot three-pointer with ease. Um,
0: he, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah with, with ease. I mean, that was a no-doubter. And he's a perfect guy in the bench unit because of that combination of speed and just I, I think he does look to get other players involved in the play. I mean, coming out of college, he was touted as the secondary ball handler type of guy who could do some playmaking. You, you know that he he wants to do some of those things. And I think that just the kind of player he is in transition, he's really well suited for the second unit, especially with shooters around him like Herder. In Gallo and even Hunter, you can just like you know where you can just drive and kick it out to those guys. He was definitely someone who, like I, I mentioned on Twitter, he looked like he's he didn't miss a beat from when the season shut down to playing last night. He looked very similar to the type of player I remember breaking out towards the end of the shortened season last year.
0: So he looked he looked very comfortable, and he alluded to that. Media week saying that he was more comfortable with himself, the three point line, being in this offense and this personnel. Even with the new faces, he he did look very comfortable in his game, and that's something that you know confidence breeds aggression. If he can continue to be confident in his game and be aggressive on the offensive end, coming off the bench and on the defensive end as well, he's going to really take some jumps this year. And I know he got me really excited. And I'm glad that you were excited about it as well. Uh, Bruno Fernando played 17 minutes last night, although he missed a lot of shots around the rim. He did go 100 percent from the free throw line last night, which I like to see from a big man scored eight points and added nine rebounds. He really was ferocious going for loose balls and getting rebounds for the Hawks team and leading for some second chances for him and his teammates. So I really liked what I saw from Bruno Fernando with Oyeko Okonwu out. He really is showing that he wants to carve off some minutes. Brennan Goodwin, who I said before, added seven points, three rebounds, and two boards. Kevin Herter looked really good last night. Showed some flashes of playmaking ability, explosiveness. His shot still looks silky smooth, and he looks to prove me wrong. He looks to prove me wrong. I know that offline. I was like, yeah, you know, we can ship him out. He can beat our guy out, but he's trying to make a name for himself, and he showed that with this throw-it-off-the-backboard uh, windmill and warm-ups that he looked ready to go. He he knows that he is fully healthy this year, and he is looking to, you know, put some put some respect on his name and and, and i, I want to see it i want to see a young fellow i want to see it he added uh, on top of the eight points three assists a block a steal, and a rebound so let's see what you can continue to do and continue to get better because like i said the magic city trio these young wings are hungry man i'm hungry for some wings now too but that's a, but, uh, that's a great that's a great nickname by the way um, <laughs> the, the young the, yeah the magic the city, city wings <laughs> i'm talking th- about lemon pepper right now but i love the bench scoring Personally, and like like we said, this is without Rondo. I don't expect a lot of points from Chris Dunn, but this was out Chris Dunn and Okongwu, another big that they can throw into the rotation. And I think this will be a difference maker this upcoming season, especially with Rondo, gallo Herter, and Reddish coming off your bench. Alan, what is your thoughts on the potential of this bench going forward?
1: Well, it was refreshing for once to see the bench actually play us back into a game because you know, yes, did not, that did not happen pretty much at all last year and you could see like, just the change in pace and just lineup configurations between like, having all these just really athletic and quick decision-making wings. Like, the quick decision-making was definitely a positive for that entire second unit. Gallinari is just a, a stabilizing force uh, as a second unit. A uh, uh, friend of the program, <laughs> Jason Walker, yes. he, uh, has, he had a comment on Twitter that really resonated with me that you know, Gallinari reminded him a lot of Jamal Crawford, which is, on its face... Like, what? What are you talking about? Like, how, those two do not have a similar offensive game at all. But I completely understood what he's getting at. Like, there's just a sense of security you feel when Gallinari's got the ball on offense. When that shot goes up, it's just giving you, like, oh, yeah, that's, that's good. That's going to go in. It's that, it's that type of vibe. You know, like Jay, Cro- like Jay Crossover back in the day, those six man of the six-man-of-the-year campaigns, he just had this – the way he led the bench unit with his, with his scoring, like, you know, again, giving his points differently than Gallinari did – But at that time, he just had a shot that was reliable and really hard to defend. And with Gallinari's height, the dynamic ways that he can get buckets, because, you know, like like you alluded to, he's more than just a three-point shooter. I mean, he got some turnaround jumpers on the free throw line in this game. You saw him in the post. You saw him forcing contact and getting seven of his points at the line. He's just the stabilizer. He is going to be critical to this team's success. And he, I mean... I'm amazed that he was just down for the, to come in and play this six-man role on this team because he's going to be so good at that, so good at that. He's going to be great for Cam Reddish and uh, Kevin Herter, too, just because to get those two uh, to improve their secondary playmaking abilities, having him around to finish a pick and roll or to uh, drive the lane a little bit, like he's just – He's going to be great. So I, I have high expectations for the second unit as we should, because we have so much depth. You would think that we would have one of the stronger bench units in the league. And I'm not going to say we're going to go that far yet. You know, a lot of it's going to be determined on how the young players develop and interact with some of the vets that we brought in. But I, that was really one of the bigger bright spots on the night was seeing the consistency out of that second unit.
0: Yeah. And for context, Vegas odds. Gallinari has the fourth highest odds to win six Man of the year this year. And last night he really showed potentially how he could do that. And this was without Rondo, who could come in and really set up that offense as well. And like you said, when the bench comes into the game and have and Trey Young has the rest. They could not miss a beat. And like you said, there was a lot of stretches where they really kept them in the game last night. So that was really excited. A lot of positives from the bench. And we're going to talk a little bit more of some overall thoughts and we're going to get Alan's thoughts on the upcoming season and schedule. But first, a quick plug for ExpressVPN. There are tons of VPN providers out there. You probably heard of a couple of them. And some of you may have even used a VPN before. Just like I do my research for all my shows to provide my listeners with the best Atlanta Hawks podcast out there. I like to do my research with my sponsors and I only recommend brands to my listeners that I believe in. And I can say with full confidence that ExpressVPN is the best VPN on the market. Here's why. ExpressVPN doesn't log your data. Lots of really cheap or free VPNs out there make money by selling your data to ad companies. ExpressVPN developed a technology called Trusted Server that makes it impossible for their servers to log any of your information. Second is speed. Like Deion Sanders said, speed kills. But in this case, it does not kill your internet speed. I've tried lots of VPNs in the past. Many slow your connection down or make your device sluggish. I've been using ExpressVPN for the last few months and my internet speeds are still blazing fast. Even when I connect to servers thousands of miles away, I can still stream HD quality videos with zero lag. The last thing that really sets ExpressVPN apart from other VPNs is how easy it is to use. Unlike other VPNs, You don't have to input or program anything. You just fire up the app, click one button to connect, and it's easy. Like TI song, Be Easy, and Trap Music. Great album. Underrated. Atlanta Classic. Anyway, it's not just me saying this. Wired. The Verge. CNET. And many other tech experts rate ExpressVPN as the number one VPN in the world. Of the world, Craig. So protect yourself with the VPN that I use and trust. Use my link expressvpn.com slash hoopball today and you can get an extra three months free on a one year package. Three months. Good Lord. Again, that is expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Visit expressvpn.com slash hoopball to learn more. All right. And we are back to talk about some just overall thoughts to kind of kind of tie this up as far as the, you know, the first preseason game. As I said earlier in the program, the next preseason game is tomorrow on Sunday at 5 p.m. in the State Farm Arena. So definitely after you hear this, watch the Hawks game tomorrow. See if you see any improvements and if there's things that you see that we missed, feel free to hit me and Alan up on Twitter. We are very, very open and honest people. and We love dialogue and we love to see things from different perspectives. So from my perspective, the defense, which is one of the things they really needed to improve this year. I talked about it a lot on this program. It was bad early on. It, it was in ironically when the bench came in at times because of their ability to score and the energy they played with off the bench. They actually played a little bit better um, coming off the bench. Now, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that, Alan, but I thought that the defense was bad early on, but they really did settle in and closed out pretty strong, especially with them switching on the perimeter. They looked like they were clearly communicating better, contesting shots, going for rebounds, and playing with energy on that end. They improved throughout the game, even though they had some lapses at times, and I know that they will continue to work on that and tighten it up with film and practice for the remainder of the preseason schedule and reg- early re- part of the regular season, especially when you have Nate McMillan on there, who is known for defense. I talked about a lot of the missed shots that were open threes, blown layups and shots that players would typically hit, but I attributed that to the rest in the layoff and whatnot, continue to learn how to play with each other. And I talked about a few of Trey and Bogdanovich's passes were a little wayward, but that will come together in reps. I was really looking at the dynamic between, Clint Capella and John Collins mm-hmm. it seemed like their spacing was a little off at times and they were trying to get a feel for each other and it's early obviously Capella didn't play last year so they're trying to work that out but I saw a lot of potential in that and before I get into my thoughts Alan what is your thoughts on the Capella-Collins dynamic
1: well just real quick on the defense too okay. you mean, I, I, I did not have any corrections but you were right I felt that the second unit did Sort of pick up their defense, and I think a lot of that was just because of the the collective effort from the guys that you put into that game. And you know, yes. this is a pre-season, this is exhibition game. Effort's gonna win the day most times. And just going forward, I, you know, I, I, my expectations were low for the defense anyway, just because these guys have barely practiced a week together, and that's just there's a lot of scheming and ground to make up, uh, just. There's a long way to go before they start to put together a formidable defense, both as individual players, but also just learning each other, learning how to play a defensive scheme with all these new different pieces of the team. So th- there is that aspect It's Collins and Capella is going to be one of those those dynamics I'm going to be watching closely in the lead up to the regular season, because there is going to be a lot to feel out there particularly when it comes to clogging the paint on offense which you know to Collins's credit he, he's become a lot more perimeter oriented over the last season or so and we saw him he didn't pass up that many perimeter uh shots in this game but you could tell that he was still trying to figure out where his he could find a rhythm on the floor I, I, I liked watching sort of the two-man game that they played like a, a little yes. bit of uh, there, there was there was a little bit of um you know a, a Josh Smith Al Horford thing that they had going there on a Collins lob pass to Capella, which you know back in the day those two got really good at setting each other up for some lob attempts. I think I like the potential for that. It, really the the whole team interacting with Capella, trying to get him lob attempts. DeAndre Hunter tried to get involved on that too. Uh, Kevin Herter tried to get involved on that. Like he's he's going to be playing a lot of uh, of lob man with a lot of different guys. But I really like the potential between him and Collins in that, in that area, that'll be interesting to watch, but uh, it's just going to be figuring out spacing and mm-hmm. really where, you know, how to just get out of each other's ways and maximize their respective
0: strengths. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I 100% agree with you. You hit the, you know, hammer on the nail right there. And I wanted to see them to continue to get comfortable. And it may be a situation where, I mean, cause obviously Collins, only shot one three-pointer, but it went in. So maybe he needs to play a little bit more at, at the three-point line and let Collins take the paint and they or, you know, you know, work something out there. But I think that the more they play with each other and the more they look on film and learn each other's tendencies where each other are comfortable at on the floor, it will work itself out. And I really, like you said, I like the two-man game that they potentially have, especially when you talk about that lob from Collins to Capella and Capella's a willing passer as well. And you talked about how they just really tried to get him engaged early, and yeah. his his positioning on the offensive end was just great throughout the game around the basket and the paint, and how they were just finding him and his soft hands. they always talk about and him getting boards, just getting just boards, especially on the offensive end, creating opportunities, especially when you have. You know, Trey Young, Collins, Bogdanovich, who's going to shoot at the perimeter and Hunter is going to shoot at the perimeter for him to get boards and create second chance opportunities for this team is really going to be very valuable uh, in the regular season. Uh, the next take, the Magic City Trio. We talked about him. We're going to talk about it one last time. The young wings, reddish looking, you know, comfortable on both ends of the court, uh, especially with his offensive game, with his mid-range jumper confidently shooting well beyond the three-point line, trying to get everybody else involved, jumping in the passing lane, getting steals, his handles look better, very active on the perimeter. And even though he rushed things at times, that energy and that excitement that he has coming off the bench will be very, very crucial for this Hawks team going forward. Hunter looking really aggressive, getting to the rim, hitting some threes, competing on the defensive end. Like I said, like I said before, it was like quiet 18 points, but he really helped to close the gap in stretches against the Magic last night. Herder looking very confident, looking healthy, explosive, setting teammates up, shooting the ball very effectively and with confidence, guarding the perimeter. And like I said, he may look to prove me wrong this year. So out of the young wings who are all competing for minutes, Reddish and Herder are trying to, you know, see if they can really cut into Hunter's minutes. And Reddish is trying to see if he can take the starting spot potentially. All of them playing with a lot of energy, all really igniting the team in stretches when they were down. Do you think this is something that they're going to just keep it how it is and just have them compete throughout the year and hope that this output is what really just truly just continues on throughout the season and it makes them all better? Or do you think there'll be some shuffling potentially with lineups and certain matchups going forward out of the young wings?
1: Yeah, I mean, you should definitely be careful with how effusive like, we are about how those three all played last night, because I, I mean, all three of them jumped out the page, but it's worth, you know, this, this all came with, uh, this is a preseason game, there is no regular rotation at all, uh, you're missing key, you're still, we're still missing uh, guys like Don and Ronda who expect to play roles in the rotation that are going to soak up minutes at the one and the two, which some of those guys got minutes there tonight too. And yeah, there's not necessarily going to be as many shots. So it might it's going to be really tough to evaluate where these roles end up, you know, how, how you shake out. I think that you could see a lot of different matchup-based things, like where we're going up against smaller teams. You create bigger opportunities for Reddish, and Herter, and Hunter to find minutes uh, as Hunter slides down to the four, which is a position I think that he's still going to play a decent amount this year. Reddish playing some more three and Herter more two. You know, it's, it's tough. I, I don't know. I, as impressed as I was by Herder last night, I still am inclined to say at the end of the day, he's going to have the toughest path mm-hmm. to a consistent role. I, I do think, though, and which is, again, why I was so impressed with what I saw from him, because the best version of himself is a huge asset for this team. He's still one of the best shooters, perhaps maybe, maybe even a top three shooter on this team between him, Trey, and Gallinari. He needs to continue to be aggressive with his offensive opportunities, I think, to carve out a consistent role for himself. It's tough, man. If we're t- talking about keys to t- keep an eye on as the preseason develops, I'd say the later we go, it- it'll be interesting to see when like Lloyd Pierce is trying to run like a regular season type of rotation, how many minutes and how many shots those three are going to get. And Herter's going to have a little bit of ramp up, and Reddish too, by extension, because Chris Dunn is going to be out to start the season. It's unclear exactly when he'll come in. He will definitely be taking minutes at the two from those two guys. So they're going to have a chance to to really start to, to maybe carve out bigger rotation role than they would have had he had been healthy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things that we're going to have to keep close tabs on as we go forward.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely keep an eye on the Magic City Trio, their minutes, their development, and how they fit up on this team. And you're absolutely right with – some players that are out and who are definitely gonna cut into some of those minutes how their minutes will look as they get closer and closer to the regular season and they have a more you know regular season like rotation. So that's why that's why I love to have you, my friend, on this program with the insight that you have. And a player who got minutes last night and we'll see how his minutes do shake out once Okanku come back. Fernando got minutes and I, I love the tough inside rebounding that he provided and tried to score in transition, which looks like a an attitude to his game he needs to continue to work on that work on just keeping the ball high there was a lot of times where he would catch the ball on the post and bring it down which would lend to some you know defenders who were shorter than him to get their hands in there and make it difficult for him to get the shot back up really just need to just work on just getting the ball keeping it high and trying to finish high which is one of the things that they always teach bigs but he's still young We'll see how his minutes do look going forward once Okungu comes back and whatnot and the rotations and minutes are a little bit more set and finite. Uh, Gallo continue to do what he does off the bench. Uh, Like I said, I think his scoring ability is really going to help this team. And a lot of people overlook the flashes of playmaking ability that he provides. And he showed a little bit of that last night. We hope for him being a very smart cerebral type player with Rondo when he gets back on the court to see how that, how that works out. And, They actually played Gallo and Collins on this court a lot lot last night. And it wasn't bad, in my opinion, especially in bench situations. Uh, And I'll get your thoughts on that in a minute, Alan. But I didn't think they looked that bad playing off each other very well, defending Collins. They they kind of were interchangeable at the four and five. And we'll see how that develops. Uh, Bogdanovich, as I said, struggled, but, you know, showed his potential in playmaking, catch and shoot ability, and playing alongside Trey. Remember, guys, remember the thing that I was, uh, you know, saying I'm going to get your thoughts and I was really excited about this lineup. And Well, not excited, but it really was intriguing. You know what? I'm going to bring it up now. Alan. I'm going to bring it up now. Here we go. All uh, right, let's hear it. The lineup of Bogdanovich, Herder, Reddish, Collins, Gallinari. Mm-hmm. I know when I saw that lineup, I was like, they're on the floor together. And I watched it. I'm like, did I play bad on a defensive end? I mean, it is a preseason game, and it's the magic, and, and, and then, you know, the perennial powers in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, but I was like, okay, okay, you know, the the, the ship ain't sinking. The ship ain't sinking on the defensive end, and then the energy that they were all playing with each other, obviously, first preseason game, long layoff for a lot of these players, but is this a lineup that we'll see, you know, quite a bit? And obviously, Rondo Rondo's going to make have something to say about that as well, and Being, you know, maybe the point guard in this lineup. But what was your thoughts when you saw that lineup on the floor last night?
1: I was very intrigued. Um, It was, I had a feeling this was going to be the one that you were going to bring up. Especially because we didn't get to see a whole lot of it. Um, It's definitely one that I think that Lloyd Pierce should experiment with more. Because it really, it shows off the versatility. At least on the offensive end. The versatile combinations that he can create. I love you know, we haven't talked a lot about Bogdanovich on this podcast. He did struggle with his shot, but I did like what I saw out of him. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I love he showed the buckets that he was able to get were created by himself, which is something we've been saying. You know, I've been saying the entire the last couple of years having Trey Young, you just need anyone else on this team who can generate offense without Trey. And Bogdanovich is capable of that for himself. He's a really smart passer. Like he had a he had a few hockey assists last night that I really liked. Like he, he's good at setting guys up to set other guys up. I'd love to see lineups where you run him at the point and then get your wings with Herder and Reddish surrounding him. And then the offensive duo of Collins and Gallinari—it's obviously you can't deny it. Or I guess Gallinari yeah. and Collins. Collins is at the fi- Collins is at the five, which is something I think we're going to see a good deal of this season as well. Defensively is it's probably going to be a challenge. Uh, yeah, it, oh, yeah. It, 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 I mean, like you know, they, they held their own last night, but you know they didn't play all that long. They were playing against uh, the Magic second unit with a uh, Michael Carter Williams taking what it took him like four shots before he touched mm. the rim.
0: Bro, he 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 was he was he was a ab- last uh, night. It, it yeah, so.
1: that was definitely Nick clowning on uh, uh on Michael Carter Williams uh, trying to get uh, trying <laughs> to get rim was definitely a highlight of that game. I, I missed Bob Rathburn and Dominique Wilkins, the the one of the best. Local duos and uh, game commentary out there. That was that was great. Agreed. Just hearing hearing those two again just brought me back to a safe place.
0: <laughs> they should have kept uh, DJ. They should have kept DJ Augustine in Orlando. They should have. <laughs> I you know,
1: We'll we'll see how that goes. It, but you know that's the one that you're gonna be concerned with a little bit defensively. You might be. It might be cool to see replace Herger with Hunter in that lineup. Move Reddish up to the two and see what I, I like. You know, get add a little more defense uh to that group a little more switchability on that side of things. But I was absolutely intrigued by the offensive potential there. I mean, any one of those five guys can hit threes, can drive the lane. They, they can, you know, it's just, that's a really
0: intriguing one. Yeah. I really perked up when I saw that. I was like, Oh, okay. All right. I, I would love to see how that continue to play out. And the last little take that I saw, and this was more so on the bench, I love seeing Solomon Hill on the bench and Rondo on the bench and how they were interacting with the young players throughout the game. Every time they cut to the bench, Solomon Hill was always talking with one of the young players, whether it's Fernando, whether it's Hunter, encouraging him, talking him up and having a smile on his face, keeping things light. In the, and obviously it's preseason game and we and I've seen you know practice clips of Solomon Hill. He's a true competitor and I think he for these young wings, the Magic City trio, he's going to be a nice steady veteran presence as far as really just showing them you know the you know the ropes. He's known for you know defending, really maybe giving us some defensive nuggets. And I can tell that he's a player that you know the players like. He's respected and you know they really are trying to hang on to that knowledge as you know these young players said we want vets here so they can you know learn more grow more you know professionally as well and Rondo was well even though he wasn't playing he was engaged interacting with the bench he was smiling and i i, I like seeing that and as far as gallinari he was leading by his you know play and his action and showing some you know veteran moves maybe you know collins can use some of those offensively savvy moves that gallinari uses in the paint to get him some looks or a capella just I, I like the veterans that we brought in and what they bring to this team and I, I like to see the interactions and that's something I'm going to continue to watch throughout the season and hear for sound bites to see Hey, I worked with Hill after practice I you know Gallo showed me this Rondo with Trey Young you know sitting in the film room you know we saw that we can attack defenses this way this way I can improve this in my game those are things that beyond X's and O's that are really going to make a wonderful impact on this team. So we're we'll in the program, Alan, with your takes, yeah. the schedule. Yeah. I hadn't gotten you on since the schedule has been released. We, you know, it's been talked about the lack of national television games. We have tough stretches. Uh, we have to play the Lakers. We got to play the Clippers. We have to play a lot of the upper echelon at Eastern conference. What are your thoughts on the schedule as a whole and the lack of national uh, television games for the Hawks?
1: I just, I want to leave this preseason game with one thing. And I'm sorry to take it back there. It's just, do you not find it incredible how we just went 30 or 40 minutes on Hawks basketball and how little we talked about Trey young. Yeah. Like, <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> I thought about that. I thought about that as I was going through the episode. Of like, man, we have not talked about Trey young. And I know if you guys are <laughs> tuning into this program to hear about Trey young, I'm, I, you're going to hear a lot about him throughout the season, but yeah, that was, that is a huge takeaway. That he, yeah. I mean, obviously the minutes were limited and whatnot, and first preseason game he he has a knocks off some rust. But the fact that we you can talk about all these other players and only mention uh, Trey Young a little bit, is promising. It's very promising. But I I I would defer back to you on on that take since you brought it up. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it just
1: speaks to well, I mean, like he was not that involved throughout the game, and I think that's by design because when you're going into the preseason. What are you really focusing on? Your guys are going out there, the coaching staff's going out there, and you guys are practicing, first and foremost, the stuff that you're working on in the offseason. And what you and I talked about in this podcast, what we saw in the game last night, was generating offense from a lot of different sources, a lot of different guys making plays for others. And just, you know, a general just – there was a big – and again, again this is a, a lot of this is due to just how the rotations were run, and there was a lot of mixing and matching. But this was a very offense by committee type of game, and that was something that was virtually impossible the last two seasons with these Trey Young offenses. Which again, you know, like, there's no Trey Young is an insane talent, and you want to run an offense through a guy who can score and create for in you know create for others the way that he can. But the the, the Hawks played an entire game with Trey Young on the floor where he wasn't the focal point at all times. And I I think that that is something any Hawks fans or general NBA fans, you should keep an eye on this deep, deep rotation in all the different ways that they can score. Um, I I thought that was just the most fascinating thing
0: about last night's game. Yeah. And I'm sure that you know, as the preseason goes on and the minutes become a little bit more finite, we'll see more Trey Young being Trey Young. We did see the sprinkle a little bit of nutmeg in it. We did see that last night. We did uh, get that. So
1: the season yeah. can officially begin.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what uh, you know, Chris Chris Kirshner said from the Athletic uh, tweet. He yeah. said, yeah, yeah, the NBA season's finally here now that a nutmeg from Trey Young has appeared and so early. Yeah, he was trying to show you that yeah, he gonna be on that. You know, people say I'm gonna be on back on my BS. I'm gonna be, He's back on his <laughs> BS, guys. So we but you. love it here, but we love it. But your taste on on the schedule for the Hawks. Yes. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, looking at the the schedule early on. Well, here, here's a little bit of trivia for you. Uh, Brad, how many games do you think the Hawks have won against teams uh, with a record of 500 or better in the first two seasons of Trey Young's career?
0: How many games?
1: Yeah, between 2 like, we'll call it one and three-fourths seasons.
0: I'm going to say 11, 12.
1: That's honestly, uh, that was a little pessimistic of you. They all, they've won 15 um in two seasons which you know but that's out of like 74 or 76 games which by my math depending on which of those two numbers it actually was they they are below 200 (laughs) against 500 ball clubs and are actually pretty good against teams with records below 500 or 500 or lower um last season i think they were 14 and 22 which is not ideal but they missed out on a lot of gimme's Towards the end of the season, after it shut down, like they had to play mm-hmm. Cleveland two more times, Golden State one more time. Uh, I think there was the Pistons and the Timberwolves, the Hornets twice. Like they they missed a lot of winnable games because of the I shutdown. Sure. But the first season of Trayon's career, they went 20 and 17 against teams below 500. So, to me, you know, it, obviously you got to beat the teams that are that are worse than you if you're going to compete. That uh, first and foremost. But I, I really. It, their real test is going to come against those those playoff teams that they need to you know, they need to try and break into the ranks of, which is not like this groundbreaking take, but it's just it's just interesting. Like this is a team that can compete with like you know th- like not all playoff teams are good against teams that are worse than they are. There there are plenty of teams throughout the years who struggle against lower uh, tiered opponents, and the Hawks are not necessarily one of those squads. The first half of their schedule is is interesting because those first 20 games or so are are pretty light, you know, like they they have uh, a few games against the Nets in there. I know that they're playing the Sixers, the Bucks and the Clippers, but listen to some of these opponents that they're going to be matched up with in their first 20 games. The Timberwolves twice, Pistons twice, the Hornets twice, they get the Bulls in there, the Knicks and the Cavs. Those are teams that you should be winning the majority of those games by a good margin. Um, mm-hmm. You know, once, once you're tw- and like the 20th game is against the Washington Wizards, a team that you're going to be competing very, very closely with for a playoff spot this year, most likely. So those 20 games, I'd like to see the Hawks finish them with a winning record uh, to feel really good about their prospects, because the rest of that first half of the schedule gets uh, it's pretty dark. Um, yes, there's it's a tough. It's the, they got they, there's a 10 game stretch where they're playing the Lakers, the Mavs twice, the Celtics twice, the Jazz, the Raptors, the Pacers and the Spurs and the Knicks. That's 10 games of just playoff teams back to back to back. It's going to be a gauntlet. So really, you know, 20 games in, they're really I'm really going to want to see a winning record because it's only going to get more difficult after that point, at least for the first half.
0: And guys, if you hear that organ again, that you know that hat that Jason had in the background when he was talking last program, Alan has that same organ because he's preaching. He's in the pulpit again. Uh, I 100% agree. You gotta win the winnable games, and you gotta win those measuring stick games as well to make ourselves feel good down the stretch. Especially because if you look at the schedule, what it looks like now in the first half, it means that the second half of the schedule could very lean towards us. And obviously, that's yet to be released, but. That competitive spirit that we had yesterday, we're gonna need, like you said, in game eleven, game twelve, game twenty, as you said, and beyond. We're gonna need to compete night in and night out, especially against those winnable opponents. To yeah, you because know, every win's gonna count. It's a seventy-two game sprint, and Washington getting better. You have Miami in our in our division as well. In the Magic, who were a playoff team last year, we're gonna have to compete. We're gonna have to do what we gotta do. We gotta have to beat the Hornets. We're gonna have to beat the Knicks, the Cavaliers, the Bulls. Who we play the first game of the season, Greg. If you're listening to this, we're gonna have to beat you guys in uh, Chicago. And they they looked how they did yesterday in a preseason game we were chugging up the preseason game, but they looked pretty bad against the Rockets. So um, <laughs> sorry, not I'm sorry, up, Greg. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sorry. I'm gonna rub my hands, and I can't wait for that game. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna have to beat those teams. We're gonna have to really compete with the Pacers as well, with yeah. a new coach, and they still got their pieces in in place there. But we're gonna have to really compete with them. And still a couple from the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference and the bottom half of the Western Conference teams that you're playing, you're going to have to beat them, too. The T-Wolves, who are going to play on NBA TV, you're going to have to beat them. I know they got Towns. I know they got D-Lo, uh, the hometown kid in, in Anthony Edwards. They just got Rubio. I mean, Beasley. That's a, that's a decent little squad. But you know what? But you but you got to roll out with you and yours as well. And as I said before, this is the respect tour. And they're going to have to earn their respect in this league, game in and game out. And that comes through competing on both ends of the court. That comes through winning winnable games, beating some of the up top echelon, you know, teams in both sides of the conference. And we'll see from there. We'll see from there. We're going to go from there. Uh, we already talked about the lineups. We think it's going to change based off matchups. So we won't get too much into that. But. The last thing I'll close out with you, my my friend, is what specifically, whether it's an overreaction or just in general, what are the things that the Hawks need to iron out to make this playoff run?
1: Um, well, it's going to be defense first and foremost. We did not see it last night, and we defense do- <laughs> going to need some of that. We're going to really need the arena to pipe that noise in extra loud for those defensive possessions. Um, it's, uh, you know, again, we weren't expecting a whole lot there. There's so much for these guys to just feel out with each other and just getting acquainted with like, you know, Lloyd Pierce's system. But I mean, th- that's where this team needs to improve the most. They, we don't have any doubts about their offensive capabilities. We just talked for, uh, like I said, all about all these different ways that they can create for themselves on, uh, on offense. So uh, I, the team defense is something I'm going to really want to pay attention to. I mean, the Trey Young Bogdan Bogdanovich two-man game is something that we didn't really talk about that I want to look a little bit more at, particularly just about, like, it, it's interesting to see Trey Young play off the ball. He, it's clear that he's not really comfortable with it. He doesn't do a whole lot of it throughout his basketball career. You watched the game last night where Trey gives it off to Bogdanovich to sort of uh, draw someone up for himself. And Trey's just kind of standing off into the side. He's not really moving around a lot off the ball. It, it, again, it's just not really something that he's ever had to do. He's not repositioning. He's not trying to like you know. He's not trying to use his gravity to draw defenders to, towards him. He's just kind of off the side. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how that aspect develops a little bit more. Whether or not those two can uh, create different looks for each other playing the, that two-man game. And then obviously it's just going to be about the the, the health of some of these vets that we brought in. I, I think that you're going to need Gallinari to stay healthy and consistent, uh, that he's a, a critical piece off that bench, that security blanket offensively. Uh, Chris Dunn, you're going to want to see him get healthy soon because he was brought in primarily to play next to Trey Young. He's going to be huge to take on some of those lead guard assignments on defense. I want to see what he looks like. It's the last thing is just how Lloyd Pierce manages all these different pieces. I mean, yeah. he's he's got one of the toughest jobs in the NBA, I got to say. like he, He's got a playoff mandate from the top from his star player and from himself, the pressure is on. And he there's so many ways that he can not only succeed with this roster, but he could also, you know, he could fail with it too. Like he's just, there's a ton of pressure on him this season. Um, and he, it's really going to be make or break and how he, he ultimately gets all these guys the shots and the minutes they deserve. So those are the big keys that yeah, I'm sure. Is there anything that I left out, Brad, that you think that we should be really looking at?
0: No, I, I think you said it all, and especially uh, I liked you saying how you know the dynamic between uh, Bogdanovich and Young, because it was clear, obviously, you know from you know Bogdanovich's experience that he's used to playing off the ball, and that that continuity between him and Trey is just you know just timing and in the passing and just getting it into the sweet spot so he can catch and shoot or just get him the ball and then he can go do his thing. But you're you're. What you said about Trey Young off the ball, I think he needs to continue to just just buy into it, and hopefully film can show the potential, and hopefully it's just one of those situations where he's constantly working off the ball, and maybe he watches a lot of film of the Ray Allens and the you know JJ Reddicks and the other shooters in the league who have to just work off the ball, run run run, and then get open and get some open looks uh, from the three because with the big. Big guys that we put around Trey Young and the screens that they can set on the perimeter and whatnot it, it should be able to lend to some open three point looks for Trey Young off the ball if he's if they're put in the right position and he and if he's working to get those looks and I hope to see that materialize throughout the year because that can be a wonderful dynamic that could really just continue to propel this offense forward and you know you never know work off the ball, get a clean look and all of a sudden hunter's open collins is open and then they get shots it's just that off ball movement for trey young when he doesn't have the ball it it, it could be you know the sky's the limit or it can be a chris paul james harden type situation and and I, and I don't want to see that and i think that trey young is way more invested into team basketball and winning and truly doing what what it takes to help this team win than james harden that's not a slight at james harden it's just what we saw on, on film with him and chris paul working together and the same thing with him and russell westbrook at times he just looked disinterested and we i just want them to continue to keep him interested and show that hey you do xyz when you're off the ball it can get you open looks it can get someone else an open look and it can lend, lend to winning basketball. So I'm really, really glad that my friend Alan brought that up. Cause that is that's gonna be crucial. I mean we talked about the you know, the continuity between Collins and Capella. Collins and Gallinari, the young wings, but that was one that, you know, we dabbled a bit into. We talked around it and we didn't see a ton of it work. We don't want to overreact. But you're one hundred percent correct that we're gonna to have to see that going forward. So, is there anything else you want to add as far as takes for the upcoming season?
1: Oh, man, I think we've we've hit just about everything that we could have from a preseason game. I mean, we, I just, I love the enthusiasm that that you, know, you bring on this show. Um, I, it's just it, it mirrors the I think the enthusiasm of Hawks fans in general because like all we could just do last night, and I talked only about the positives, which was mostly on the offensive side of the ball because that's all I really cared about talking about. It was just cool. To see all these different, you know, these different guys coming together, all these different skill sets, meshing, all these different guys with potential, just taking the next step. It's just nothing but optimism so far right now. And, you know, I, the pre, I'm the, i glad that they have that, that 20 games to against those sort of weaker opponents because there's going to be a learning curve with all these different guys in the rotation yeah. anyway. So you'd prefer that you come out of the gates against weaker competition with trying to learn each other better than, you know, have it be the reverse. So, yeah, uh, just that Wizards game, that, that, that's, that to me is going to be a defining point of the first part of the season. It's just how do we stack up to a comparative uh, interconference rival uh, yeah, at
0: the juncture of the season. That, that, think- you know, all, all eyes on that one. That's going to be that's going to be a fun one. That's going to be a fun one. Yeah. So, like I said, we keep it optimistic on this program. We're going to talk about the negatives as well. But we want to keep Hawks fans hopeful. We know the history as it was well documented through Alan, through Jason previously on his podcast and others. And we'll talk about the negatives. We will. But. We want to keep this positive. We want to keep this optimistic because there's a lot of hope for this future. And we want to encourage them as a franchise, as I know that they're encouraging each other in the locker room through film, through competition and whatnot, with the vets that they've added. Everything that this team has asked for, and these fans have asked for, they've gotten this offseason. The talk is done and we got to put, you know, those words into actions and they're going to do it night in, night out. It's going to be ebbs and flows. But. As I am a ride or die for my LSU Tigers, who uh, kick off against the you know Florida Gators, you know Jason's team soon, and certainly we've had some some ebbs ebbs <laughs> duds this year. Um, so I know all about it, and I but like I said, I saw my team win a championship last year. So I mean, I've I've seen both, and I know that a championship has not been to this franchise here in Atlanta yet, but. We can be hopeful. We can be optimistic. and We need just continue to be encouraging as a franchise. And like I said, fans, we need to critique as well. We need to critique as well when it's rightfully due. Um, But like I said, it's a preseason game. They have time to work through it. Early part of the regular season, they're going to work through it as well. And to talk through all this today that I had my friend, Alan Srokey coming on the program today. Alan, thank you so much again for coming on. You already know you're going to be back and tell the audience what you got cooking up and how they can connect with you.
1: Thanks, Brad. I really appreciate it. As always, uh, y'all can follow me on Twitter, at Alan Stroke, A-L-A-N-S-R-O-C-H-I. We are getting closer to the fantasy basketball season starting up. I've got an article coming out for the Draft Guide uh, about a mock draft that we did the other week. Brad, you were actually a part of that mock draft, so thank you for your participation in that. Uh, yeah, our Draft Guide Reader's. You guys can uh, give that a read. I'll be analyzing every uh, every round and all the teams afterwards. It's really good to analyze mock drafts that you're not a part of, get a sense of how players value other guys, help you make the right decisions on those uh, on on that day. So, yeah, that's, that's what I've got cooking at the moment.
0: Yeah, and if you guys have problems with my team, feel free to slide into my DMs and mention me, and I'll talk about it. I'll talk about my team my strategy i thought it was a pretty decent team uh but uh, but alan may have some other thoughts and i'll take all the critiques i can uh, as i'm getting ready for the fantasy basketball season myself so you check out the article you follow him and any nuggets as far as fantasy basketball to help your team this year check him out outside of you know josh Lloyd, who i talked to on this program and obviously dan and brewski and the others uh, and our esteemed colleagues on hoop ball alan is up there as well as in the top upper echelon as far as analyst for us so please check him out and guys if you love what you heard today give us five stars subscribe and share tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a, i'm not gonna say the rest of the line about the hottest new podcast covering the atlanta hawks and that is no smoke that is no cap numbers don't lie this is the hottest new podcast covering the atlanta hawks uh, so give us a good review tell some friends tell some people about us tell some hawks fans about us Follow us at Hoop Ball Hawks on Twitter. That is at Hoop Ball Hawks. Follow myself, Brad Jarrett67 on Twitter. That is Brad Jarrett67. And as always, yuck!